Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series Ted Lasso. Look, and we know your memory is longer than a goldfish, but just in case you need reminding, every episode we get a little bit of a three-word review of what happened, get you a bit of a synopsis, talk about what happened off the pitch, on the pitch, give you a theme of the episode, and then we tie a bow on it with a little bit of pub trivia and get that winner, winner football dinner crown. That's right. Today we're going to be covering Season 3, Episode 10, International Break. It's almost impossible to summarize the amount of storylines in this wonderful episode of Ted Lasso, but we're going to try. We promise. Consensus online seems to suggest this is the best episode of season three so far and could signal that ted lasso is indeed possibly ending after this one more to come on that right nick that's right but in the meantime and in between time if you want to talk to us about this wonderful episode and or any other lassoisms including the new york times article on jason sudeikis uh, sneaker collection which came out today uh, hit us up on socials at Pod Underdogs, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever floats your boat. We are there to chat and leave us a five star review if you would. That really, really helps us. My favorite are those five stars. But hey, we got to kick it off with the episode review. Three words here. I'll try first. I said, everyone's a star. It seemed like in this episode, everybody was shining. Little cameos here and there. It's almost like a little montage of mini episodes all wrapped together nice and neat. It was fun, Dan. What about you? I believe they call those vignettes in the biz, Brandon Busby. Mm. I went with boarded for finale because this feels like they are trying to jam every little bit of narrative possible into every moment that they're being afforded by the overlords at Apple to get FaceTime in before a likely series finale. No. We'll see. Hope you left your chips at home. Uh, Nick, what about you? Ready? Steady, close. I think I'm I'm with Dan. It feels like they're they're throwing a lot at us right now, distracting us from from what could be a uh, kind of crazy couple of last episodes. Well, as much as we like to pitch to all of you lovely people out there that we do the on the pitch, then off the pitch, it's just another one of those episodes blurred all over the place. So let us chronological this bad boy. We start the episode in the Soccer Saturday studios where Jeff Stelling breaks the news that Nathan Shelley has left West Ham United. George Kartrick, of course, then tears him down, reminding everybody he was just his kit man, Dan. The real hero, apparently, is Darth Vader, a.k.a. Rupert. Oh, I think we gave Nate the Darth Vader... Uh, anal- analysis because ultimately he does the Anakin and comes back to the light side. Sorry, Emperor Palpatine or whatever. Yeah, Emperor Palpatine really never viewed as the, the hero of any story. So I, I think that probably situates a little bit better. But look, Rupert Mannion, the hero, the hero West Ham needed Nick, and he ultimately is getting a lot of praise. And really, it feels like it was more Nate's doing. Yeah, this felt really weird to me. Like, there's a lot of circumstances in which a manager would just kind of see it out until the end of the season. Um, It's pretty rare that a manager elects to leave. Usually they want to get fired so that they get their whole paycheck and compensation structure. Uh, That's a bit of an odd one, a bit of an odd one. But uh, look, we find out on the other side of things, the light side, if you will, that AFC Richmond are on a 10-match winning streak. 
They, they've Ooh. continued that from the last episode. Uh, Sam Obasanya is playing Lights Out. There's an international break coming up, Brandon. And, of course, we know from Season 1, Episode 6, that his goal in life is to make the Nigerian national team. And, uh, you know, even Clinton on, on Old Soccer Saturday says... Uh, you have to think that this is the moment he's going to make his Nigeria debut or the world's gone truly mad. I know. This is, for those pros, a big weekend. If they get uh, time where they have to just stay and train with nothing going on or if they get to go to their national team, which is a massive sense of pride. Think Olympics, right? Think representing your country in the sport you love, the biggest thing. And if he is the the catalyst of a 10-match winning streak, it would make sense that his home country of Nigeria would bring him up, but we just haven't seen it, unfortunately. But we should note, he wasn't the only one there. Were many of their teams, uh, teammates that were picked up by their national teams. So a lot of people in the locker room are absolutely buzzing. Uh, Ted, I'd remind everybody, though, no game next week. In case they had forgotten, they will be hanging out. Let's beard make the announcement. Jamie with England, first cap, big for him. Van Dam, Canada, Rojas, Mexico. Bumberbatch, Switzerland, because he looks Swiss, obviously. And then Colin Hughes repping Wales uh, was a good time. And then even Ted kind of left the room hanging, Nick. He was just kind of like, wait, is that it? Beard, that's it? Like, ah, come on. There's one more, like, right? Sh- like shaking the box, see if there's any left in the bottom. Uh, yeah. Dan, uh, Sam Sam was not chosen. Uh, he was not chosen for his national team. The, the mood in the room is pretty, uh, pretty tough. But he does have a couple of friends come and console him. Jamie Tartart, Tartart, comes over. And the bond off the pitch, on the pitch, between these two attackers for Richmond and... And ultimately find an opportunity to be there for one another. But they weren't, they were supporting one another. However, some countries, some players were going head to head in the international matches. And this is true. There are plenty of teams in world football that are made up of collections of internationals. And they frequently will play on the same club team, but play on different international teams. And we get to meet Randy Dohas. Van Damme's arch nemesis, Danny Rojas. <laughs> and he just goes full enemy on him, amigo. I mean, amigo. The, the split personality here. Like, what happened to football's life? Like, it, it, it's on his head. And, uh, you know, Danny, Danny has lines. He's territorial, you could say, maybe, Nick. Uh, he's like, I'm not your bro. We are now enemies, and soon you will be my bitch. Van Damme was, what the fuck? And then the scene on the plane. like Ridiculous, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, put on the Mexico shirt, and he becomes a bastard coat of bastard with bastard filling. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the way it goes. I think that, that'll happen from time to time, to time, Brandon. But, look, we head back to Rebecca's office. Well, I was going to say, hey, we all know the CONCACAF shenanigans. So. Oh, definitely. The rivalries? Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, back in Rebecca's office, uh, Ted, Rebecca, and Trent are, uh, you know, chatting a little bit about a wine club, I think, as a not-so-subtle nod to something else. And, uh, uh, look, the, the Nate departure has to come up, right? It's the elephant in the room, Dan. And, uh, you know, Rebecca's like... Uh, 
what do we uh, what do we think happened there? And uh, you wanna you wanna fill us well, in? Well, and and not getting into gossip, right? That that's the thing here. Not not up for gossip, but you know when Leslie comes in. You know, the scuttlebutt is something that he is willing to engage in. So it is very specific as to what uh, what Ted will and won't engage with when it comes to uh, the rumor mill, as it were. It's a fine line. But if you write it well, you, you can stay a professional, which I think is good for him. Uh, so uh, we get a little bit of back and forth. Um, inappropriate workplace conduct is what they're alluding to. And you're like, Nate Shelley? Really? Uh, but it doesn't last long because Higgins goes right with the breaking news. Not about Nate. Edwin Akufo is back. The villain is back. He's in town and he's looking to create a super league question mark. And we should probably give some context, Nick, because we've already talked about the Premier League. We've already talked about, um, you know, the FA cup and the different, tournaments that kind of go on throughout the season this super league is very relevant two seasons ago uh all the biggest teams tried to start a breakaway league that would have left the smaller teams with even less money and less opportunity to be the david versus goliath yeah that's right trent kind of gives the explainer uh which is uh you know the super league is when the world's biggest and wealthiest teams decide they are going to compete against each other. So not only would David never get to face Goliath, the Davids would maybe cease to exist altogether. That's kind of the fine margins that you would, you were just talking about. And of course, Rebecca's like, of, of course, Rupert's involved with this. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this happened in 2021. Uh, our club, Chelsea, were rumored to be a part of the founding eight members of the Super League, Dan. And, uh, the fans revolted and, and shut it down. And it was a really seminal moment for us as supporters to uh, to not let the big uh, conglomerates win and that, you know, we're going to keep this for the fans. Well, look, as the headlines rightfully stated, Chelsea supporters did save global football from the Super League <laughs> and from mega money taking over the sport. But anyway, we get a call from the devil, Rebecca does, and it is not the actual uh, S-A-T-A-N himself, but... Rupert wanting to get the Akufo meeting in. And uh, you'll notice later, he does not take kindly to spelling Akufo's name the right way on text. I don't know if anybody else caught that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Akufu. Um, but look, she doesn't need to pick it up. She's good at the moment. And then we get the hard transition because he can't have conversation about Nate in the background without flashing Nick to Nate. That's right. We we go over to the newly unemployed uh, Nate Shelley's apartment. Nate is just, he can't even get out of bed. Uh, he's uh, depressed, and even Jade can't get him up and, and at him for, for the day. He asks her, am I an idiot? She says, sometimes yes, that, that cunning wit of hers. <laughs> uh, he says, no, I meant for quitting my job. And this is actually the first time that we find out that he quit instead of being fired, right? Uh, and she says, do you wish you hadn't? No. Then there's your answer. And he says, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And she's like, do you need me to stay? I'm going to Poland. He's like, no, no, no that's okay. Like he's, I think Brandon ashamed, um, of, of what happened and probably very mad. But the fact that he quit is a, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, again, that just wouldn't 
happen unless the workplace conditions were like his family was being threatened or something, you know? Oh, it's character play, right? We finally saw a little yep. bit of spine, spine from him uh, last episode. And this shows that he also puts a lot of his identity and self-worth in his job. And even when he was at Richmond, he was very proud of it. He was very, you know, humble and meager. But then he got thrust onto the big stage with Rupert. And he's having to come to grips with it. He felt strong enough to walk away. But obviously, in the that was the good character play. But now he's like, Ugh, I don't know what I am now. And what do I do? And why are we not taking a three-day vacation to Poland? What am I missing here, Nate? Like, I get you got to get past the paparazzi. Once you do that, my man, you're gone. You're, you're, you're screwing in light bulbs. No, no better place to do that than in Poland, a place where the English paparazzi are likely not going to be, you know, hundred like, percent. You're not a fired and disgraced Premier League manager if your photo does not <laughs> end up on the front page of, or the back page rather, of the Sun, as you are enjoying the relief from not having to manage at that level. Maybe mm-hmm. on a boat somewhere, maybe in Italy Could or be. something. Yeah, I don't know if you got the means. But anyways, KJPR big bombshell here. Eh, maybe. I think we probably saw this coming once uh, Jack pieced to Argentina. You get a little of a hint something maybe's up because you see movers taking boxes, then the furniture, and she gets to the office and um, finds out money gone. And that, uh, lucky for Keeley, she is the nicest and hottest boss that uh, that guy's had. I unfortunately don't even know if he had a name. Yeah, whatever that guy's name was. It's, it's inconsequential. Thank you, Mr. Like, Accountant One. Yeah. Gregory. Like, David. Reginald. I, I like when he was like, Barbara, what's, Barbara, what's going on? Are we slowly being robbed? Clever. That was clever. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. Uh, I was right about this, by the way. I thought I saw this was going to happen. Dan, ever the capitalist, got it wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it, the funding's been pulled. It's gone. And... You know, they're, they're basically taking all of that, like, rented stuff out of their very corporate-looking office. And Dan, it sends Keely into a tailspin. She She's failed. The world's kind of failed her, too. And, you know, this is a, a pretty sad moment for her. It's, it kind of feels rock-bottomy. It's a lot of first-time business owner challenges that Keely is running into as mm-hmm. she's maybe... Hired some friends who didn't work out for her. The inner office relationship challenges. There's just been a lot that has not gone her way. And this feels like the opportunity for her to hit a bit of a reset button. But ultimately, she's focused on that. We hear the movers talking scuttlebutt about being willing to manage West Ham for millions. That uh, So you get more people just laying in on Nate. But back... And Nelson Road, we find out that Sam is continuing to practice very, very angrily, Brandon, after being left out of the Nigerian side. Oh, yeah. I mean, I what, what did they say? It, it was hard to see the ball through the red mist or whatever, essentially being like, you know, he's just... The, the tears in his eyes. Yeah, he's just so angry, and you're getting a different side of him. And so, uh, obviously, Ted, being a good man-manager, tries to console him, helps him, say, hey, look, it ain't been easy on you, but don't forget that even the great Michael Jordan himself didn't make his high school varsity basketball team, yeah, which I was familiar with. Totally, I'm tracking. All right, yeah, JV All-Star. 
And then Sam ruins it a little bit by saying, yes, coach, but wasn't that because he was only 5'10 sophomore and the team was in need of height? So they sent him to the junior varsity with hope that he would develop physically, which he did, growing five inches the very next summer. Well, thanks, Sam. Yep, <laughs> you're you're right. And he just lives in with the, hey, keep your head up. Be a goldfish. I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> well, he, he has to be a goldfish quickly because... Uh, a yeah. little awkward run in with Rebecca in the in the hallway there. Little, she little shoulder punch for your buddy. Oh man, that that was tough to watch. Uh, says I'm sorry about the national team. He says I, I guess I could have worked harder. She says I think you're wonderful, and he says thank you. <laughs> this is very very odd, Dan. Like, it, but maybe not as odd as as what happens next. I don't I don't know. Take your pick of these two items. He does call her Rebecca and not. Mrs. Welton. Mm. Yeah, that's so, true. That's you true. know, maybe showing that they can be friends once again, maybe showing that some of the guard has broken down, but Beard has no guard. Beard has no filter. We learned <laughs> that he has a axe collection. I'm going to imagine the number of axes is probably a trivia question later in the episode, so I won't spoil the number other than the fact that it's double digits, higher than 10, but lower than 30. Um that was was very interesting because they're also using this as an opportunity to show off that Nate the Great in uh, in like a, I think it was a ca- uh, Captain America he, they put his face onto that they're going to be throwing axes at him at uh, one of the popular that was, that was know, a bullseye axe that was a straight bars. up bullseye on him okay <laughs> that was not a Captain America shield that that was a target that they put on poor old Nate Shelley <laughs> that they will be uh, uh, working on. Ted, a little bit, little bit uh, poking in here, saying, don't you feel it's bad karma to celebrate someone else's bad karma? Beard, no. You in? <laughs> Roy, I'd love to go, but I've got a, a thing. The, this, this was important, I think, and might have been overlooked because of all the other shit that happened in this episode, but one thing that Ted has to resolve before the show is over is that Beard is holding a grudge when on on Ted's behalf when Ted doesn't want him to and he's going to have to have like a real conversation with him I think like I don't think they would have put this scene in the episode if that's not going to happen next so kind of an interesting little uh little blip there but I thought but I thought I'd just kind of call it out mhm yeah no I'm I'm glad you did uh as as we continue to move through this Rebecca goes up to her office to find that Rupert has slithered in past the security, a.k.a. his old mates. I think Rebecca's going to be doing some HR reorganizing after this. (laughs) Said he wants to formally invite her to the Kufo Super League chat, just the conversation, and said something is different, though. He's not a massive twat to her and seems to be genuine. So what does he have up his sleeve? I'm sure he's got an angle. The conversation was normal question mark and so it was like reserved it wasn't there was no like he wasn't himself is how i would put it (laughs) playing a character as it were there was no uh there was no fire there was no brimstone he says i want to extend an olive branch i think it's important you're a part of this could be great for the game he says i'll give it some thought he says good sneaking in here today reminded me the first match i ever saw at nelson road road uh rebecca says ah when they used to play by candlelight uh, she then asks him about Nate and he says, some people just aren't ready when they get their shot. Dun, dun, dun. That's, uh, that's a 
code for I'm a huge douchebag, Dan. That's really how that is. Yeah, but you know what? You know who's not a huge douchebag? Oh, man. Phoebe celebrating <laughs> Uncle's Day for Roy. That's right. It's the holiday you didn't know existed, but clearly the one on the calendar that Phoebe circles at the start of every year. Because not only do you get Phoebe, Phoebe's mom, Roy's sister, and Roy, but you get Jamie Tart, best friend, Amazing. the person that he talks about all the time. And they hang and out every day. Too. They hang out every day. Leave it to the kid, Brandon, to basically tell them what they should already know because they have they have the eyes of, of, of innocence. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roy, what the fuck is he doing here? Phoebe, I had to invite your best friend. Roy, it's not <laughs> the, your best the friend. The grin on Jamie's face <laughs> when she said that. Just the slow little turn. Oh. Uh, so Phoebe asks Jamie, who's your best friend? That's probably Isaac. Roy tells him to fuck off because now his feelings are hurt. Uh, of course, during this whole exchange, they're just giving Phoebe money for swearing, which is a classic trope of the show. And then, uh, you know, on Uncle's Day, we, we got to give Roy gifts. That's that's what it is. And J- Jamie says, uh, it's stupid. It's dumb. I don't know. It's your original England kit from the 2014 World Cup. Your name's on the back. <laughs> but I got him to change the E to a U. Absolute ripper of a line and i thought at some point in the show they would address uh this word which i will not say out loud and i'm glad they did it in such a way it was absolutely fantastic it had me rolling in absolutely great look it is not only was it a good good reference to a part of footballing culture but the fact that roy's response was i love it i love it (laughs) sealed it sealed it and so you get phoebe's gift not a personalized English kit, England kit with a uh, clever name slash letter change. It's a red, yellow, orange tie-dye shirt. Uh, sorry, red, uh, red, orange, yellow. To, for Roy. To spell out Roy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the way that he says he loves it is really, really pulling teeth out of it and jamie going in as well i fucking love it pays the pound because it's worth it it's great it's great. i just love i love how jamie reaches into his pocket immediately <laughs> like yeah you know what totally worth it we're good without a doubt i think uh and i just double checked it it is that kit too because like sometimes you don't know do they actually go and get the retro kit because i mean that's what was 10 years ago at this point but i quick google search it looks like they did get uh, that kit, uh, if you don't know, they change them every two to four years. So that's uh, why. Roy G. Biv took me back to my elementary days, Dan. It was good. We got a we got a, another sighting, though, and one that people connected very quickly. The doctor from Dr. Sharon's ER visit is actually Roy's sister. That's a recurring character they brought back. And I thought that was really fun because I, well, I totally spaced on it. And I was like, where have I seen this person before? Same same character actor. And we did know she works in a hospital, doctor or whatever. Like we know that yeah. there's always an emergency that she has to leave and, and Roy jumps in for us. That's uh, it was great great to see his um fit sister uh, again as well. Absolutely. I will cut your fucking eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, back over to Ola, the restaurant Sam owns. Uh, shows up expecting a bustling restaurant because again, they were sold out. They were fully booked. Turns out all the reservations were no-shows and canceled. 
except one, Edwin Akufo, the food columnist from the Times, and his henchman. His henchman. <laughs> it's uh, super awkward, uh, super unfortunate. I mean, do you guys think that it, it, Kufo's really going after poaching his chef, really going to start a new restaurant? I mean, Dan, this was like personal. Oh, yeah. Well, he has a few money. I mean, that's the way he was built last time. He was talking about putting a club in either it was Monte Carlo or Casablanca. Yeah. Morocco. Yeah. Morocco. Casa, yeah. Casablanca, yeah. That he wanted to build this, you know, team. He wanted to bring Sam on board. Sam refused. Richmond refused the 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 selling of him to the other team. That is something that teams get to do. They can sell players back and forth to one another for obscene amounts of money, which Akufu has, and he's flexing his wealth around. And ultimately, you never know what an eccentric billionaire or uh, you know multimillionaire is going to do in this scenario. Uh, according to him, not just Nigerian food, but also Chicago style hot dogs. I don't hear many people say the Chicago dog is the superior form of a hot dog. That feels a little farcical, but you know, um, again, you're a billionaire. You get to do what you want. He's, he's going after his restaurant to try and take him down. And then we figure out that he's done something even more devious by uh, basically giving $20 million uh, to uh, the Nigerian Federation, Brandon, to keep Sam off the team. And it's, it is personal. Um, you know, he stopped Sam from achieving part of his dream. And this is about as mad as we've seen Sam since uh, the restaurant was uh, broken into. This is not a, a version of Sam we get very often. I don't know. I thought he handled it pretty well, right? Like, I, I mean, I probably wouldn't have reacted like that, but he just wanted to get past it. It was just kind of accepting that he couldn't do anything about it, unfortunately. Uh, and, and finally kind of, you know, shuffles them out after uh, getting a free meal because of the glass that was found in their food. And, of course, Francis being Francis <laughs> with his handshake. Yeah, just the, the, the twinkle flittering fingers. of the, twink, uh, the fingers, just forcing just Sam to do it. So good. Uh, all right, well, we're going to take our first ad break. When we get back, jumping into Nate, who's finally out of bed and what an adventure he goes on. So thank you to sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, so after that awkward handshake, we get a Nate sighting. He's finally out of bed. By the way, he has, like, the most teenager bedroom ever. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, he's got to get out of his apartment. He, who knows at this point how many days he's been just hiding in there. Uh, five o'clock shadow, hair's a mess. Maybe a shower in there, my guy. You want to just clean up just a smidge? Please, That'd be great. Please do. So he sneaks out in the middle of the night. Paparazzi's gone. And uh, why wouldn't he go to his parents' house? And and why are we climbing through a window? Like just my, a little knock on the door. My man about maybe? took a cricket bat to the f- noggin. <laughs> That's what you get. Dad was standing there just ready to to let her rip. You have aging parents. You wouldn't have necessarily a key to the the house that they would entrust you with. Like a lot a lot of it doesn't make sense there. There's not a dog preventing you from getting in unannounced. You've ruined your mom's flowers that were on the windowsill. I mean, what kind of bullshit is this? Yeah, not a great opportunity or not a great look for him. Uh, but he goes straight to bed. Exactly. Though. I mean, he's just out. Mom offers like food. Nope. I just want to sleep. So he gone. But we pivot back to KJPR. Keely's doing a sentimental last walk around her former office before heading 
to the crown and anchor where she is slugging whiskey. She's sad drinking and doesn't have the courage to tell Rebecca what happened, ignoring her texts. Best friends, but some things are just hard. She meets May uh, after May, you know, recognizes any good bartender that's been there for 40 years can tell <laughs> when someone's having a shit day. And that's exactly what May sussed out of her, Nick. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. She's she's asking for some sage wisdom and definitely gets it. Uh, Keely says it's hard, though, being a boss, right? May says it has its moments. But for some, it's better to follow your gut than pretend to be excited by following someone else's. Boy, that hits home. Uh, Keely, what would you do if someone took it all away for, from you? Uh, May said, like the man once said, once you make it to the top of the mountain, what's left for you but lightning? Keely says, wait, is lightning a good thing or a bad thing? May, depends on whether you're ready for it or not. And that was like a, whoa, maybe I'm not ready for it. I don't know. And then she hits her with the, now I'm going to get you some food because I can't have another sad skinny girl pass out in my pub, which is absolutely true. Good on you, May, for for feeding that poor child. Well, and saying that she doesn't want it to affect your Yelp rating. We've been in London. They don't use Yelp. It's TripAdvisor or Come Google. On, it's not Yelp. Not, not accurate at all whatsoever. Anyway, Rebecca then has to find someone to talk to about the Super League invitation because she can't. She can't get anybody else around. She's going through the pecking order and ultimately lands on Higgins. And Higgins tries to provide as much sage advice as he possibly can because, and really it nets down the fact he says, who cares why Rupert invited you? Because she gives all the reasons. Um, you got to see at the table, so go see what's what. And they they do reference the fact there is a little concern that Higgins has maybe Brandon too much of fear of that is is a Willy Wonka style experience that Akufu is running and uh, does not want individuals you know board of directors chairpersons to start getting abducted and disappearing because he will have to put out an APB. If any of the other people start disappearing one by one due to a series of unfortunate accidents seemingly caused by their own hubris, you get the hell out of there. Do you hear me? The conviction in Leslie's voice was fantastic. You don't get it often, but when you do, it is so well played. This also reminded me of the scene in season two where Keely goes to Higgins for advice when she's going to go start her own firm, and he's like the fifth option down the list. That's basically what Rebecca did to him. But you know what? They find their way to Higgins regardless, and damn it, that guy is a wise, wise man. Yeah, without a doubt, he's dropping the knowledge bombs. But then we go down to the player's side of the building, and nobody was ready for Roy's tie-dye-themed walk into training ground, even if you gave us a year to prepare ourselves. All the staff are freaked out. We also see Nate and Keeley shame spiraling. Uh, Roy and the rest of the team have to be there to watch the internationals. You know, a little team bonding to support their yeah. teammates, yeah. which makes sense. Um, first up, Randy Dohas versus Mexico and Van Dam. Just blasted him point blank in the face. Like, poor goalkeeper. Bleeding. Great save. Everywhere. Great save, though. Oh. Unapologetic. He's a monster. Absolute monster. Maybe they were in Azteca, which we know so well, Nick, and it just brings out the monstruo out of him. Oh, a little, little Spanish for my guy there. That's fun. Uh, look, fun fact here. If you are a Whose Line Is It Anyway fan, uh, Colin Mockery and Okay, if you're Ryan older Styles. than 28 or 30. Yeah, which this was a, like, Summer summertime show that I would watch all the time. Uh, Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery were the announcers in the fake Mexico versus Canada game clip. So huge shouts to those guys. They're amazing Canadian uh, 
comedians and they absolutely smashed the commentary, even apologizing for uh, saying uh, gosh, I think at one point. So very Canadian. Well done. Not only do we get that, we get to go around to the next game, which is Jamie's debut for England. And not only does he get on the pitch, it looks like as a sub, not a starter, mm-hmm. but he's wearing the number 24 as a tribute to his boy Sam because... He's there, he's on the stage, and he had to show a little bit of love, and probably his favorite number is not available because it's more likely gone to someone more senior on the team. There's no no doubt about that, but it was a cool little moment. Everyone's kind of patting Sam on the back and knows knows that Jamie has his back a little bit, and you know, I think that probably felt good, especially after the Akufo uh, nonsense at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So back in her office, we learned of a major bit of information about Rebecca. She still has Ted's army man, and... Sam's matchbook in her purse. Uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Don't worry. I will. Hmm. That's really weird that she still has the army, man. I can't understand why she would because she's in love with it's Ted. It's a big bag. Boom. Shit gets lost in there. We all know a woman who had I, no idea what was in there. Now, hold on. I thought so, too, except then I went on the old timeline last night after watching the show, and there were a bunch of, uh, of females who have purses who were like, we change these purses all the time. Only the most important things make it from purse to purse. Your Honor, I rest my case. They are in love. And look, the Army man, first line of defense is she's trying to respond to Rupert. Boom. Oh, she needs it. She's still deliberating about the Super League. And, and yeah, she put the Army man on the desk to protect her, uh, <sighs> as you'd assume, because sewer man ain't doing his job. <laughs> after, after nearly deserting his tie-dye shirt in the parking lot, Roy heads to drop Phoebe off at school where we get to see him interact with Miss Bowen again. And it leads to a bit of an epiphany. Miss Bowen says, you look different. Roy says, well, yeah, I don't normally dress like a fucking clown. (laughs) No, I don't mean the t-shirt. I mean you. You seem lighter than the last time I saw you. Less stuck. He goes, stuck? Hold on. Weren't you flirting with me last time I saw you? She goes, I teach kids. I don't mind cleaning up a mess. I just hope that mess didn't cause too much damage. (laughs) Hmm. Fudge. Miss hmm. Bowen was looking for her in, and she undid her undid the situation for herself. Own goal on yeah. uh, on Bowen. Very own there. Goal. <laughs> tough one, tough one to watch. Because look, Roy completely like freaks out of that moment. It was like deja vu for him. I think a little bit. I, what is like the third or fourth time, right? That we finally. You know, he'd been hinted at, given chances, and then it it all clicked right there. Uh, but at Rebecca's house, we also learn about another critical piece of information. Rebecca has anxiety and panic attacks. At this point, we've pretty much covered the main characters here. Like, this is definitely... Uh, I think the point here, right, Dan, is that there's no um, recipe for this, Right. You could be rich and powerful. You could be Ted and left your family behind. There's all these different characters with their own fights and struggles and that it can affect anybody. Yeah, it ultimately we see how she looks in the mirror, gets the reflection of her as a younger girl and how she knows to give herself the big arms, bear, cat, growl, whatever creature you want to call it as and knows how to instill that confidence back into herself and to restore where she's at before heading out to this ultra important meeting, which sees her and Rupert connect at the door. 
is as she's looking in, she's scanning the room, she's seeing all these people that she really doesn't have a relationship with, isn't necessarily concerned about chatting with. But the big reveal, Nick, is that Rupert has a new assistant. Yeah, really quick, just to backtrack. This is how she knows that Ted's having a panic attack in season one, right? She knows what it looks like because she's done it herself. Uh, So need to call that out because it's super important. Uh, Yes, Uh, Mrs. Bread, we can't get a cakes and bread, huh? We're just we're moving from cakes to bread. That's what we're doing here on the show. Keep it simple. Um, All right. Uh, So clearly the workplace harassment thing wasn't uh, Nate, huh? (laughs) Uh, If uh, if if that happens. So uh, that's a huge surprise. We never saw coming. Brandon, I know you're you're shocked. I can see it on your face. Shocked. Absolutely shocked. shocked. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we have the the back and forth. Again, cakes to bread, whatever. Like, have have your freebie. Uh, but Re- Rebecca stares down. Uh, uh, you know, a part of that anxiety. I we're gonna call it this. This is what we're classifying it. Yeah. <laughs> Group of old horny men in the room, right? Like yeah. the old whites, the old white hairs, right? The silver foxes. It is a sea of of. Um, torture, I would say, for her, right? Sitting in this boardroom, eating this fancy food, all these old rich guys hanging out. Uh, Rupert kicked it off. Like, Go ahead. W- one Rupert's hard enough, but then there's like 10 of them. Like that, that's that's basically kind of how I took it. Which is also pretty reflective of most ownership groups, right? Like at least in the Premier League, there's starting to be more diversity from other countries and things. But for the longest time, and we see it in the United States, mainly older white gentlemen that are owners. So Rupert says, gentlemen, hello. I believe most of you know Rebecca, owner of AFC Richmond. She says, oh, it's been my title since we got divorced and I took the only thing he ever loved. Uh, Wonderful. Hello, Rupert, yada, yada. Joining us, I was truly excited. And then when you walked in at that outfit, I remember why. Ugh. Cringe. Ugh. Fucking gross. Uh, But uh, Dan, don't do business on an empty stomach. Now Khufu comes in and also makes sure that Rebecca knows that, uh, look, you're not the only minority in the room now. This, uh, he's you know trying to align himself with her. Is, uh, they're going to need votes. They're going to need teams to buy in. And uh, ultimately, they get some eating. They get the Ghanaian meal with the Chicago hot dogs again. They have to uninvite the Russian owner, uh, which has happened across multiple clubs in Europe, uh, Chelsea being one of them. Everton was another individual one in the Premier League at the start of the Ukraine war. And then Akufo just lays it out. Look, oh yeah, fame, competition, money. Money is the reason. Yes, money is the reason. Fans will protest. They'll go after us. But you will be rich. Because ultimately, people who are taking horses or people who are walking... They eventually were driving a car because that's just what it did. The car won, the Super League will win, and people will just get with the times. That's a bit of a jump. feel like cars really improved people's lives and was a superior product. The Super League, not so sure about that. And uh, I'm not the only one with my doubts, Nick. Rebecca absolutely smacks them with some right and left hooks and put a stop to the Super League. Dead in the tracks, as a Chelsea fan would consider that, was a petter check move. Yeah, she says, is this a fucking joke? Excuse me. What do you think you're doing? Just stop it. 
I mean, how much more money do any of you really need? Why would you ever consider taking something away from people that just means so much to them? This isn't a game. Football isn't a game. And this is the sentiment that was shared amongst the fans. Like, what the fuck are you idiots doing? Like, this is not going to save football. It's going to make it way worse, and it's going to take people out of the game. And then put, you know, Rupert on, on the spot, too. She's like, I knew this little boy, working class, from Richmond. He loved football so much he used to sneak into the matches because his family couldn't afford tickets. And one afternoon, he finally got caught, and the security guards smacked him around the face, knocked him on the ground. But that little boy stood up, smiled, kicked the security guard in the bollocks, and ran away, never to return until 25 years later when he walked in and bought the entire club. And on his first day as owner, he went and found that same security guard and gave him a pay raise without any explanation. Just because we own these teams doesn't mean they belong to us. And I don't want to be part of something that could possibly destroy this beautiful game. Whew. Uh, as May would say, a fucking man, Rebecca. Well done. Edwin gone. He threw a fit, another temper tantrum, <laughs> and he's leaving, uh, coating each of the other owners with Ghanaian food. What a waste. What a shame. They all have a laugh until Rebecca and Rupert are left alone to talk. He tries to kiss her. Cringe. Number six of this scene. Uh, thankfully, she rebuffs her his advances and walks away, and she now feels sorry for him. The tables have flipped. My how the turn tables. Uh, that was a good one. I was thinking about that. But uh, anyways, we're going to hit a quick pause for the last ad break. We're back. Keely finally is back in. Uh, we've got a lot more with Nate and what's going on with him. So thank you to the sponsors. And we'll be right back. All right. After drinking her sorrows away, Keely, it's a little, little stop back at KJPR one final time. She sees Barbara. She, brought, she bought her the snow globe to say thanks for her work, only for the CFO to insist she pays for it or it doesn't count and apparently at 60 pounds it was a ripoff for a snow globe said the snow globe connoisseur look uh, very touching very thoughtful uh, we learned that barbara likes clothes that are honest as well we've got a lot of really <laughs> juicy that was funny, funny elements there but it's back to nate Nate is a shell of himself he's getting meals in the room he's taking one tray he's pushing out another He's waiting for them to get out to the farmer's market. And then Nate finally emerges like a like a little child, just looking for some moments, looking for something to touch back into. He's looking at old photo albums. He finds in the attic, amongst other things, a violin case. And Nick, he starts dropping, dropping some tunes, just absolutely going to town on it. And you're like, oh, hey, another thing Nate is good at, Wonder Kid. Yeah, so Nick Muhammad actually posted this, and it was, it was really sweet. Uh, he says, okay, so this episode of Ted Lasso is special for a lot of reasons, but mostly it's my incredible wife playing the piano to Arvo's part Spiegel, I'm Spiegel, with me on my own violin from home. It's actually him playing, which is unreal. So the, the piece was Jason's idea. It literally translates to mirror in mirror, and he put, a, put the piece of sheet music and the photo of him as a tiny child up there and uh it was beautiful it was beautiful because you know there's a lot of montages happening but then it focuses back on him his dad kind of scares him as he's playing and brandon this is where shit's happening all right he's going through all this kind of rehashing of his childhood trauma and his dad 
and him finally have a bit of a breakthrough uh, and start to break down the barriers that, that have kind of been between them for as long as he can remember. Right. And, you know, it's probably, you know, Jamie had his issues with his father. Ted had issues with his father. Like, it, it's definitely a theme amongst this one. But I think this is going to be the only one that that has a happy ending with it, right? And, and kind of some progress. Uh, you know, his dad says, I really miss hearing you play. Nate says, you do? I thought you hated it. And he's like, why would you think that? And he's like, because you literally said that to me once. You said I, I wouldn't practice enough. I was squandering my potential and wasting my privilege. He said, you were given opportunities I never had, and so I expected a lot from you. He goes, well, it scared the shit out of me. He says, I know that now, and I'm sorry. I didn't know how to parent a genius. You're brilliant, son. You've always seen things other people couldn't, and that's a blessing. Yet I know it also must be a curse, too. But you're right. I pushed you to be the best at everything, even at violin, because I thought that's what I had to do. I thought that's what you wanted. He goes, I just, I just liked playing. Said Nathan, be successful, don't be successful. I never cared about any of that. I just want my son to be happy. Which is a very different vibe than we've been getting all three seasons <laughs> up until this point. So uh words matter. Uh use them. Tell people how you feel. Yeah. It was it was a beautiful scene. And huge credit to to the actors in that because there was some raw emotion in there. Speaking of raw emotion, Dan. Roy heads over to Keeley's uh, because uh, he has he has something to get off his chest. Well, not only does he have something to get off his chest, he took the time to put it in a card and tries to leave it, much like Keeley tried to you know, slid the letter under the door previously. Roy is now trying to do the same thing, and Keeley can't read it because, uh, much like many other things, Roy's handwriting is terrible. It is not good. We, we see this a shot like of it. The top it is, right corner of the full letter. It's like, what the hell, man? Yeah, it, it is bad. You, you got the whole canvas there, my man. It's an Feel A4, free to work with okay? <laughs> well, he did indicate he was, uh, to paraphrase, stuck in his own shit. Didn't want to cause you any harm. Also talks about the fact that she will always be Keely fucking Jones. Apologizes and says, I love you. Sincerely yours, Roy Kent. XOXO. That's right, Gossip Girl. You go get it. Are those tactical X's and O's or like the loved ones? I, I'm going to infer love out of that one, Brandon. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. Um, look, uh, he takes off. Keely kind of like, I don't know, do I go after him? We'll see. But you could see in her eyes that this meant a lot. I mean, the last two episodes or, or you know, two of the last three episodes, Jamie apologized to her and made good. And now Roy has too. And after Jack just kind of disappeared on her, that has to be kind of a, a nice thing for her to hear. So, uh, we, we keep the whirlwind going, right? Because, um, you know, we, we kind of see Keely in a, in a good spot, getting some closure. Rebecca is like, you know what? I'm on a tear. I fixed super league. I'm going to go fix my friend. And, uh, just, just knocks on the door. They have a really funny, uh, chat, in, in the doorway, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Is she, um, you know, where has she been? Is she okay? And she was surprised and a little embarrassed to see her, but then they finally get into everything. She's like, now that I know that you're alive, I'm very cross with you. And I forget about the term cross, like being cross with someone. So when a British person says it, I really enjoy it. Where the <laughs> hell have you been? And they just pulled your funding? Assholes. Why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, I couldn't find the right time. She gets a look from Rebecca or, or the right way look from Rebecca. And I didn't want to. Well, they are idiots because you, Keely Jones, are a bloody marvel. 
and uh, they kind of work through it a little bit, which is is good. They have a little reckoning, you could say, Dan. Well, they they build Keely back up in this episode, and not only does she get the emotional support, but she ends up locking in new funding to restore KJPR through Rebecca, indicating that the amount of money that she was getting previously is what Rebecca has on her in cash at the moment, <laughs> which that is a flex because, A, you have to carry the cash in the first place, and B, to have that much, very, very nice thing for her. But look, Big purse. then Rebecca gets a Big chance. Big purse energy. Gets a chance to spill as well. She talked about Rupert trying to kiss her. Keely gives the, can you believe if you fell for it? All that floppy cock has done for you. You'd be insane. Bottom of the emotional barrel to do something that dumb. Right behind Keely as she's saying this, enter one Roy Kent, Nick. Thought you were really going to use this as an opportunity to say, standing behind her, one other floppy cock. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the robed Roy just comes down. Versace? That thing has to, it's very tight, uh, very tight on him. But, you know, him and Rebecca give each other the the little brother, big sister salute. And I thought that was a really nice touch at the end of that scene because, you know, Rebecca's only been pushing him to do this for the entire fucking season. So nice for her to be there when it actually pays off, you know? All right. Keely gets straight back to work in her now empty office. She's reinvigorated. She's excited, making calls to her current and former clients to reassure them that she's ready to work when Barbara comes back to get the rest of her things. By the way, it's uh, good to let them know, Nick, that loose end has been tied up and that, uh, no, that person is no longer working with me. <laughs> Shandy's not a part of the outfit anymore. You don't need to worry about that and those, those 4 a.m. calls. Uh, you know, and, and Barbara comes back. She's ditched Jack. She she submitted the resignation. That's fantastic. And and look, I, to me, uh, it was a nice little moment. You know, I, I thought that, you know, Keely has done for Barbara what Ted did for Roy, and that's take this hard shell of a person and show them how to be empathetic, show them what, you know, a little bit of love looks like. And, uh, you know, it clearly inspired Barbara to want to go work for a leader like that. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Uh, but Dan, the surprise no one saw coming out of the out of the blue, out of left field. Tell us what happened. Well, the surprise wasn't that the security at Nelson Road is Better. abject. <laughs> Abject for a Premier League club. Boy, oh boy, I have more security on a master lock that I share the combination with you. Uh, this is just ridiculous. But look, Nate sneaks in. He does the Kitman responsibilities. He lets, let's Will get a little bit of recognition there because Nate did, did give it pretty hard to Will last time they were sharing a scene with one another. So... This was a, a nice way for Nate to come full circle, leave that lavender-scented note sharing that, uh, you know, uh, maybe so I was a bit of an asshole. It was a nice little homage to season one, too, when Nate got promoted, right? And Will had come in and done all the responsibilities, and then he freaked out. I love that. And so really, really cool little moment. Nate's coming back as assistant kit man. <laughs> there's, there's my only prediction for the season we got a job for you buddy here you go well the team is back from international duty and so is danny no more ranny dojas uh, he consoles van damme about his broken nose says it, it looks painful are you okay my amigo like y'all good and van damme is absolutely just mentally twisted up like a pretzel sam hangs the new photo of the 94 nigerian world cup team in his locker 
And so again, we just, the, the, the team are back. Trent tries to make small talk with Beard before Roy comes in wearing another tie-dye shirt. Things are looking up. Look, I didn't see Peoria. That was not on my map. No? No. A little Illinois action? It makes sense, Illinois, though. Baby. Not a big city. You know, a little bit weird. Yeah, for sure. But, and I'll take the final one here. Oh, boy. In the final and most He's important scene of the whole episode, Rebecca, back in her office, uh, rehangs the David Hockney footballer painting in her office. The same one that she got rid of in the first scene of the entire series. Like it's flashback to season one, episode one, scene one. And she's taking that down because it was Rupert's. Uh, Ted, of course, bringing her biscuits. She uh, she invites Ted to sit down. She does not eat the biscuits, notably, uh, but she uh, wants to talk to him. She's done being spiteful. She's done with hate. Uh, she says, Ted, I want to share something with you that I've realized recently. Ted, of course, a little zinger in here. How weird is it that margarita pizza doesn't have alcohol in it? I'm with you, sister. Uh, Rebecca says, no, Ted, I've realized that I no longer care if I beat Rupert. I still want to win, but for all of us, for Richmond. Ted, uh, I want to win for us, too. They look at each other with just love and passion. Uh, surprisingly, they don't kiss. But Rebecca does mimic a season one, episode 10 trope by spitting uh, tea on him, essentially. And she says, it just feels like it's ceremonial at this point. Ted, as long as none of that tree piss gets in my mouth, I'm actually okay with it. And you know what, guys? Ted Becca is alive and well, and uh, I'm very happy about Clutching. this. Clutching. So. Stop trying Clutching. to make Ted Becca, Ted Becca happen. <laughs> oh, it's not me making it happen, Dan. It's the writers of the show who desperately want them to fall in love. And a uh, really nice tweet from uh, from Ted Lasso spoilers here. Uh, call back to uh, season one, episode seven, when, uh, when Sassy is telling Keely about Rebecca. The real Rebecca is silly. You know? So, uh, and then a nice little uh, end one here. Uh, if you recall May's quote about the top of the mountain and lightning, uh, Roy said something about lightning before, didn't he? And uh, and so did her, uh, her psychic and, and all that sort of stuff. So lots happening here, guys, but I'm just making my case for the entire world that I want this to happen, and uh, I hope they don't crush my spirits. That's all. Clearly. But hey, we've gotten to the main theme, getting closure. Unfortunately, the amount of loose ends in this series were significantly reduced in this episode. Rebecca and Rupert, Nate and his dad, Roy and Keeley, all of these characters have shown so much growth over these three, well, two and a half seasons of TV that it truly has started to feel like season three, episode 12 will be the end. We hope it isn't, obviously, but the last two episodes of season three could be real goodbyes to our friends from AFC Richmond. But there's still questions, right? Right? Well, I mean, we've already talked about Ted Becca. But happening. It's gonna it's gonna do it, Dan. Sorry. Let me just hey. ask you a better one though. What what do you think happens with old Nate oh, here? I already answered right, that, so I'm off the hook. He's he's gonna be the next manager for AFC Richmond after Ted wins the league and goes back to the US. It's probably annoyingly I think true. So. I think I don't know. I, I could also see Nate if, just wanting to be happy. End the series, if they end the series, that is the natural baton passing. The the Padawan becomes a Jedi Knight type of situation. It, it, like, that would make a lot of sense. Would Roy work for him? I mean, it's TV, so it doesn't have to, but, you know. I don't know. 
That's why I, mean, I can't I, figure out. I don't think out. any of them have discounted how good Nate is tactically at the game, and if he comes back a better person for the road that he's walked. I think Ted has taught them to be to be kind and forgiving people. Huh. Yeah, maybe to a fault <laughs> at times. All right, Nick Crowden, Anchor Pub Trivia. Weird questions and observations from you, sir. That's right. Very quickly, and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in this one. But uh, first one is a crossover between two of my loves. Uh, what famous theme song from another famous British TV show played in this episode? And I would like you to name the song and the other show, please, uh, as, as part of that. Question number two. Which World Cup did Roy play in? Year is all I need on that one. Question number three. Very tough one. What are Phoebe's other favorite holidays besides Uncle's Day? Uh, she's a proper fucking nerd, that one. Dweeb, actually. Dweeb's such a better word than yeah. nerd. I love dweeb. Uh, question number four. Which former MLS and U.S. men's national team player made it into this I episode? Saw very, this. Very quick I saw this. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, like, it was okay, awesome. Okay, you got credits because that was it. <laughs> and then, of course, is Brandon or Dan. I think you actually said this. How many acts does Beard own? Uh, it's a very specific number. Couldn't imagine. <laughs> and it's way too many. In a different country. I just gave them. the a range. I gave a range for people, so I did it's not give away the answer. The answer is it's way too fucking many axes. Oh. That is that's where we're at. Over one feels like a a few too, too many. many for somebody who's not chopping down trees every day. To be fair, log he did say that they aren't all for throwing. Right, so different act, different tool, <laughs> different jobs. Which again, in England. Battle? Probably, probably Are they for battle? I own all or? these bottles of bourbon at home. Now, some of them aren't for drinking. <laughs> Anyways, winner, winner, football dinner. Who won the episode? Remember, uh, Rebecca with a slight edge over Ted and a bunch of ones on the board, which means the last two episodes could be defining. Uh, and Nick, you went with Roy on this one as number one. Obviously, you give a short list, so we'll let you run through that. But um, a lot of people did a lot of good things. I think the winner's first name definitely starts with an R. The question is, did you get it right? I think so. I, I think Roy did the most in this one uh, for for himself. And the breakthrough that he has on on so many different fronts, but especially with Keeley, is critical. The self-actualization is critical. And, you know, I think just edges it out for Rebecca. But I wouldn't be mad if Rebecca won. I think I think we have to keep it interesting to the end of the season. I think Rebecca does have a shout for winning this episode. I think it, it probably is a photo finish, maybe edge because she did at least kill another attempt at the Super League, which, you know, for those of us who are not just fans of Ted Lasso but are fans of football, there's a lot of a lot of emotion yep. around that yep. one. But I'm going to give it to Roy just because I would rather like the. Uh, I would like there to be a little bit of uh, intrigue and suspense about who the season winner will be at the end of this all. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it, right? Let's keep it interesting. Keep it tight until the end. Give it to Roy G. Biv on this one, my man in the orange. <laughs> Take your points. <laughs> come up and claim your prize. So uh, uh, definitely a nail-biter till the end. But, hey, uh, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us as we asked again on social media at Pod Underdogs. We can continue the chat there, and if you'd be so kind, take 15 seconds to leave us a nice little five-star rating and review, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It'd mean the world to us and help the other lasso heads out there find us. So, hey, two more episodes of season three, so you know we'll be back with the number 11. We'll catch you then on the next episode.